Today's podcast is a little different than the rest because it's not going to be as cheery or tied up with a nice bow as some of my others, but it is really helpful to listen to. Now, if you have children around, if you do feel triggered by issues like sexual abuse, difficulties in donor conception, difficulties in discovery, then you may want to put this aside, except I will tell you that it is also valuable, if you can tolerate it, to listen to Steph's story. She says that she became the donor-conceived queen after a series of events that led her to want to tell her story to the public. And those events can be hard to listen to, but they are important. And they also show you the importance of early disclosure, the importance of transparency, the importance of honesty in a family, and the importance of support for your children. So even though it is kind of the dark side of a disclosure story, it is really helpful information. Welcome to Donor Conception Conversations. This is the one podcast created exclusively for people who are planning to use donor conception to build their family or for people who have already built their family with donor conception. I'm your host. My name is Lisa Schumann. I'm a researcher, a therapist, and an expert in donor conception. And over my more than two decades of experience working both in fertility clinics and in my private practice, the Center for Family Building, I've met with thousands of donor-conceived individuals, children, recipients, and donors. And I've learned so much, and I'm here to teach you all that I've learned in this podcast. My guests and I will talk about everything that you need to know to have a better journey to parenthood. If it's about donor conception, we're going to talk about it. And today, we have the privilege of meeting somebody very special. You know, in all of my years in working in donor conception, I've met a lot of different people, and I think you've seen a lot of them on this podcast. And many people have expressed their desire to meet their donor or their experience of meeting their donor. And many of those stories have been very positive, and I think that's great. But I think it's also very important to see the other side. Sometimes things are not is peachy. And also those are stories to be told because we need to see all sides of this this story. People come in all different shapes and colors and we really need to understand when we pursue donor conception, when we search for siblings, when we search for our donor, that there are a lot of things we can find and I think it's important to share all of them. So today, to share some of this information with you, I have the privilege of welcoming Steph. She is the Donor Conceived Queen on Instagram and she's going to tell us a little bit about her story and how she got to where she is. Welcome, Steph. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Lisa. So nice to be here. So Steph, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your story and how you got to where you are now? So I found out that I'm donor conceived at the age of 32 through a 23andMe DNA test kit. Oh. I was gifted this kit by my husband. We had no idea um, that I was donor conceived, of course, but throughout my entire childhood, I had always questioned if my dad was my real biological father. Hmm. And I had asked my parents many times, starting in middle school. And I always questioned it. I always felt different from the family. And what way? What way, Steph? 
Well, there's genetic mirroring. That played a big part of it. I did not see myself within my dad's side of the family. And I always knew that there was some missing link, that there was a reason for that. Hmm. But I never investigated any further into it. But there were a lot of times in my life that I questioned it and I really did believe there was something different about me. Well, and why do you think that is? Just to kind of stop you for a second, because, you know, I often talk about the fact that me and my sisters all look so different and we're, you know, different hair color, different body types, different eye color, everything. And none of us ever kind of wondered if we were adopted or we were donor conceived. So what do you think it was that actually put you in this situation where you thought, I wonder if I'm not genetically connected? The family dynamic and the connection I had with my raising dad was definitely different from my friends and family hmm. members that I witnessed around me. Oh. And um, I didn't have a close bond with my dad. And I noticed that early on. And also my brother was questioning in middle school at that time if he was our real father. So that's kind of where it all started. And as I grew to be a teenager, I heard arguments between my parents and my mom had said during one of the arguments, my dad's name, I won't say his name, you could never give me the children I wanted. You could never give me what I wanted. And I never understood what that meant until I found out I was donor conceived. And all those arguments were about their infertility issues. Wow. I mean, so you felt like there, there was something missing in your relationship with your father. Do you think he felt insecure about your relationship because he knew that you were donor conceived and he didn't want to share that and he was kind of holding a secret or because he felt ashamed or both or? I feel the both. And there's a lot of uh, religious trauma involved with all of that um, in our culture and our religion. It is frowned upon to use another man's sperm oh. outside of the marriage to conceive a child. And so that has a lot to do with it. My father's a minister of the church. So he was walking around with this thing on his shoulders and trying to keep it a secret. And that may have created this obstacle that was kind of obvious you know, for you, yes. that there was something wrong or something in the middle of your relationship. Yes, correct. So then all these years you were wondering, and then what happened? Did you just kind of say, I'm not, I'm not going to pay attention to it? Or I moved on. I moved out. I started a family of my own. I became a young mom at the age of 23. Hmm. I had my first baby. I moved away out of state. So it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind for me. And then I, I gained my peace by leaving my home state and starting a life of my own somewhere else. That was, that was truly helpful and benefited me as a human being to grow outside of my family system. And you yeah. also, you know, I know this, we're talking about donor conception, but part of that, the impetus was for that also was because you suffered some trauma growing up also, yes. right? Yes. So I come from a very abusive and narcissistic household. And so I couldn't find my identity when I was living with my parents or even living in the same state as my parents. And so moving out and finding myself and starting my own family, I definitely benefited from that. So you just decided, okay, I've had this trauma and they also didn't acknowledge your trauma, right? And that was right. also devastating for you. 
Yes. There's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt built up around my trauma. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, as human beings, we want to escape being uncomfortable. We don't want to bring up the past and become uncomfortable and have to face the truth. So I did what was best for me at that point in time through my early adult years, raising my firstborn to be the mother I never had Mm. to my children. And that was my goal in life, to have my children. And once I had my children, then to report my abuse. Mm -hmm. And so you decided after you had your children, you were going to report the abuse. And that was really difficult too. Yes. I had to go against my family. I had to be disloyal to my family and finally speak out and be the whistleblower, become the black sheep that I truly didn't want to be, but I knew it was right. This is my calling to finally speak up, stand up for myself, and advocate for all the different things that I'm fighting for now. It's incredible, Steph, that you had so much strength and resilience that you could decide, you know, in spite of the fact that your family was trying to put everything under the rug and also had this other secret. And you were able to kind of, with all these doubts and all these fears, just decide, I'm going to take care of myself and do what I need to do. That's incredible. Thank you. Yes, I'm very proud of myself too. (laughs) You should be. You should be. That's amazing. So then you moved out and you moved to a different state with your husband and had a child. At that point, was it after your first child that you learned you were donor conceived or? Oh, I actually had four children before finding out I was donor conceived. So I had my last baby in 2020 and then in COVID year. And then I had my results in 2021 of January. And that rocked my world, of course, having a baby, having four, and then all of them home with COVID, oh my with all God. the COVID <laughs> lockdown, and then finding out I'm donor conceived, it really felt like the whole world around me was crumbling. And I was this mother struggling to find myself while having to raise four children. And the only way to do that was to live authentically to face the truth, to stand up for myself and start fighting and speaking out. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. You had some counseling that was helpful to you, yes. right? So that that's yes. great. And your husband, I'm assuming, has been by your side and been so helpful as Very well. Supportive. Yeah. I'm curious about your your search, but you decided now I'm gonna going to be authentic and understand that this is my history. I'm owning it. And then you decided, okay, I'm going to go with my parents to this. I went to my mom first. I got the results and I thought that there was a, maybe there's a possibility that there was some infidelity in the marriage. So I I went to her first thinking like I should woman to woman, talk to my mom and see what's going on. My father's name is not matching up to my father on my birth certificate. What's going on, mom? So she first started telling me that she had IVF, that I was the product of an IVF procedure and tried to imply that it was donor fraud, that she had Hmm. no idea that I was donor conceived. So there was a lot of lying that happened. And then five months in, I finally, enough was enough. I had been begging them, please explain the truth to me. And they finally admitted, yes, you are donor conceived. We knew all along. We knew that is how you were conceived, but they would prefer me not to tell anyone about that truth. Oh my God. 
So in 2023, I decided enough is enough. I'm standing up for myself. And that was the birth of the donor conceived queen. Oh my goodness. Now, when you approached your mom, you had already moved out. You had these four kids. You went through COVID, all of this. And then you discover this. Now, you had already confronted her about your sexual abuse trauma. And she didn't want to deal with that either. Right. Right. And so I guess when you approached her about this, you probably didn't have a lot of hope that it was going to turn out well. Yes. My family had always been pushing the abuse in my family under the rug. Mm -hmm. It's shame and guilt mixed in there as well, along with a religious trauma. So you had already been through confronting your parents about the sexual abuse trauma, which was a member of your family. They denied it. That was, you know, as I'm sure you know, and maybe a lot of the people who are listening don't realize, but that if your family doesn't believe you, that is usually the recipe for total disaster, drug abuse, suicide, all kinds of, I mean, that is, you know, that is really crushing to your soul. And most Mm -hmm. of the people who have any sort of recovery um, from their sexual abuse had people who understood them, who appreciated, who supported them in in talking about it and prosecuting and whatever they needed to do to heal themselves. And so, Steph, what you're saying is you didn't have any of that. You had no support. You had no your, no family members who even believed you. They're, they want to squash it. You say, okay, I'm going to go live my own life. And now this eruption happens. And so you went back to them with the hope that maybe there'd be like a slimmer of a little tiny sliver of chance that maybe they could be honest with you, but of course they weren't. And so that must have been another crushing blow. Yeah. I was looking for empathy and in them, but I still didn't receive it. And so, yeah, that was, that was crushing for sure. It's terrible. So did you talk to your father also or just your mother about it? Oh, I talked to both of my parents. My dad was actually the one who was the most adamant about me not speaking up that I'm donor conceived and not telling any family members. When I posted something on social media, the next day I got a call from my dad and he let me know he was very disappointed that I would do such a thing and how dare I be disloyal to the family. Oh my God. And again, I wanted to live my authentic truth. Of course. Oh my gosh. And what about your brother? Your brother was also donor conceived? He is also donor conceived, but they used a different sperm donor. So your brother's was donor conceived too, but you guys didn't pursue that with your parents. You called your parents independently and said, you know, just directly to them, I want the truth about my history. And so I guess that they never really gave you the details about, you know, where the donor was or how they chose this donor or anything like that. I never got the details for that. Actually, the way that I found out I'm donor conceived is through my donor conceived half sibling, which I connected through the 23andMe DNA test. Oh. That's how I found out. And that's how I found out which fertility clinic was used and the doctor's name was through him and not my parents, unfortunately. Wow. So you found a donor-related sibling and then contacted that person. And that person, did you say, how are we related? I don't really understand. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the one who broke the ice for me and let me know, hey, your donor conceived like me. Was that hard to believe at first? Were you? It was extremely hard to believe, but now now that we've moved to 2023, I accept it and I'm proud. I'm proud to be donor conceived. Did the did two of you develop a, a friendship or a relationship? That's a very good question. So I actually connected with my sperm donors for biological children and with my donor half-sibling and his wife. And we all met at an Airbnb in Texas in 2022. And we had the best time we connected. It filled that void that I had been looking for my entire life. I always knew deep down in my heart that I had sisters. Oh, wow. And I always thought that was so crazy to believe, to think. But when I found out I had sisters, I was elated. I was so excited. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing that you just felt that you had sisters with no kind of proof. Yeah. Months prior to finding out I was donor conceived, I had been standing in my bathroom with my husband and I had been talking to him like, "Ah, I just really wish I had sisters. I I know I have sisters. I I have always wanted sisters. Wow. (laughs) And then months later I get the test and I'm like, oh. That is incredible. I'm also hoping that if I speak out enough, that it's possible that I might ignite a fire in some another sibling of mine out there mm-hmm. to discover their truth as well. And maybe we'll meet one day too. I know I have more siblings out there. So you met four so far. I've met five. Oh, you met five. Okay. And yeah. so all five of those people were all happy to connect with you. Were there any others that you connected with that didn't want to be in touch with you? Not yet. Not yet. So that's great. And so you met their partners or their family members or whoever. Yes. And everyone, I'm assuming, had the same feeling that they want to have a relationship of some sort. Yes. Mm -hmm. And do you feel a kinship with them? Like they're like cousins or siblings or what does it feel like? Really, when I went to this trip and we met up at the Airbnb, there was a connection that I had with all of them. Like I had known them for years. There was that genetic mirroring. I saw myself in all of my siblings, a little bit, little parts, little pieces, or even in my siblings, the genetic mirroring also is the same in my children. I see some of my children in my donor siblings. So Hmm. (laughs) it's quite interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So you feel like that, that, that genetic pull of your sperm donors side of you genetically is very much alive in your in you. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And in my children as well. Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot of sense. I've always questioned why I look the way I look and then one of my uh, my my children look like me and I always felt like there was some disconnect between my raising family and the family I'm raising. So finally the puzzle pieces all fit together and it makes us so much more sense now. Amazing. And, and then you also wanted to search for your sperm donor. And so you decided to pursue that as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I connected with him through the 23andMe test right away. He made his profile available on the website. And then I he did not reply to me on the 23andMe messaging 
system. So I connected with him through Facebook. Oh, wow. And I think he was shocked, of course, to find out that he had two donor-conceived children looking for him, but I was able to connect with him. I don't have a strong relationship with him. That's kind of not what I was looking for. I was just looking for my family medical history so that I could pass that on to my own kids. But maybe in the future, we'll have we'll connect more and maybe I'll meet him in the future. That would be exciting. So what was the connection like? You just spoke on the phone or you met on Facebook or how did you connect? We just messaged back and forth through Facebook. He didn't ask to call me over the phone, although I do know that he did connect with his um, donor-conceived son. <laughs> they've they've talked over hmm. the phone, but he's I haven't had that connection with him like that. So maybe in the future, I'll pursue calling him. But so far right now, I'm okay with just messaging. So your donor connected with one of your siblings, but not all of you. So did that feel disappointing for you at all? Or did you just kind of accept that's what it is? I accept what it is Mm -hmm. right now. And in the future, if I do feel like opening up and connecting with my donor, that might be something I'll do later on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just interesting because a lot of people who are watching this are probably interested in this idea of connecting with people who are genetically related. And there's so much information out there about people who meet siblings and people who meet their donors. And sometimes people feel like they have found or want to find that missing link, something that's been missing inside of them. And the way that you described it was that your parents always had this secret, right? That there was a secret multiple secrets in the family. And them sitting on those secrets created this thing, this black cloud in the house that you always felt was there, even though no one was speaking about it. And so for you, and it's not necessarily everybody's story, but for you, that was enough to feel like there's something I don't know. There's something missing here, right? And so I think sometimes people feel like, well, whatever that thing is, I will feel that complete fulfillment when I meet my donor, when I meet the siblings, I will meet this perfect person and it will be magical and everything will be peachy keen. And yet Wendy Kramer, who runs a donor sibling registry says, you know, it's kind of like sitting at the Thanksgiving table. Some people you're really going to like and some relatives you won't won't like necessarily, right? Donors are people too. So not everyone is perfect. And I think that this is a really important point for everyone who's out there to know that it's a great idea and it can be beautiful, as you're saying, to meet donor siblings or to meet your donor. But it is so important to really support your child and help them with their expectations because the fantasy of who that person is or who those people are may not mesh with the reality of who that person is. And that could be, I mean, it sounds like you felt already that you kind of accepted being donor conceived. You accepted that your family was who they were. You moved on with your life. You had siblings and you were okay with that But for some people, they may be putting all their hopes and wishes on this person to fulfill for them. And that can be really, really difficult. I agree with that. That's well said. So in in an ideal world, Steph, because I know there are a lot of people out there that are thinking about this, 
What do you think parents can do to help prepare their children for this idea of searching that these people might be great? They may have connections, they may not, they may not be so great, they may be everything that they want or maybe not. And how do you think that parents can really support their children in that idea? Being there for your child, being a supportive and active advocate for your child, maybe even considering signing up for family therapy to talk it out with your child if you're not able to do it with your child and you just have shame and guilt built up around it. I think Mm -hmm. seeking outside help, some kind of mediation to figure it out with your child is best. I think that's great advice to to be able to get some support if you're not sure right how to manage it. I think that's a great idea. But it's also hard when you when you don't have from day one this supportive environment where you right. feel like someone from day one is being completely transparent with you and gives you the all the support and love you need to kind of usher you into this phase of searching or connecting or you know whatever. So does your family know that you've connected with your donor also? The interesting part about that is they know they were not interested in finding out anything about my siblings or donor who I connected with. I tried to show my parents pictures of my grandmother that I got on Ancestry, my grand great-grandparents, and my mom was deeply offended. And I was offended as well because this is my DNA. This is my family. You should be just as interested as I am. Mm -hmm. But then I realized I don't grow. I didn't grow up. I didn't come from a functional family system. So I accept the fact that my, that my family, that my parents are broken people just like myself. And I had to just continue, continue on with life and accept my reality because this is, this is living my truth. That's so brave, Steph. So brave of you to to kind of see this have this perspective, particularly when you didn't grow up with any role models to show you how to have that sort of perspective. It's amazing. Right. Thanks. Yeah, really incredible. It's incredible. And so what made you decide I want to go on social media and be kind of tell the world about this? That's a great question. I immediately as I after I found out I'm donor conceived, I immediately went online to find other individuals that are living the same reality as me, finding out so late in life. And I connected with hundreds of other donor conceived people. And I started an Instagram in 2023, uh, in January, to start this journey of advocating for myself and others. So many of us survivors are voiceless and I didn't want to be a victim anymore. And I want to advocate for donor conceived individuals' rights. I want laws and legislation to protect us. We're such an unprotected class of people. And it seems like society wants to tell us to just get over it. Aren't you happy you're alive? What's the big deal? It is such a big deal to keep this information from us. I needed this medical family history for me, for my health. My health is my wealth, but also for my children. Mm -hmm. I had to needlessly watch my own daughter suffer in a hospital more than one time because I didn't have all of my family medical history. So it's so important to be able to be transparent is what you're saying that you really want 
it affects me and it affects my children and will affect their children and their children. Mm -hmm. It's important that we start fighting for these rights here in the United States. So what would you like to see? Would you like to see just doctors having this information in there? More transparency. Mm -hmm. There needs to be some sort of database. I I should have been contacted by someone to tell me that you are donor conceived. Hey, maybe at the age of 18 would have been nice. So I don't marry another sibling of Mm -hmm, mine. mm -hmm. That's a scary reality we face now. Yes. Even if you're not donor conceived. It's possible that maybe your father donated back in the 80s yes. and you could be dating or sleeping with someone who's a sibling or a first cousin. Yes. Yikes. 100%. 100%. Uh-huh. So in an ideal world, you would like to see people be contacted if they were donor conceived at 18 to let them know this is their story because you can't really trust that the parents are going to do it. Yes. And then of course for the ones being created right now, it would be nice that the parents educate their children starting in childhood, that this is how you were conceived. We love you just the way you are. You're unique and special because growing up, I didn't have that information. I didn't have that knowledge. So I grew up thinking my entire family is different than me. I don't fit in. I don't feel like I fit in. Why is that? And I had always been searching and looking for the answers. That is so difficult. And, you know, I'd like to think that we're now in a world where people do understand and hopefully are counseled properly to share this information and share it very young with their children. However, there's still people who, like your parents, for religious or cultural reasons, will continue to feel that this should be kept secret. And that's morally wrong. I mean, doesn't the Bible tell us that we shouldn't be lying and lying to your kids? It's just equally as wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a difficult situation because unlike even in adoption, back in the 50s, people were saying, don't tell your children they were adopted. You can move away. You could not tell people. But that's not so easy to hide, right? When you're pregnant, it's very easy to hide the donor conception. And so it does make it a little bit more tricky for people. Right. And it's not really fair to the children. And it's also not fair to the extended family. Your your donor-conceived siblings and your donor all kind of got this information in a way that they didn't expect. I'm sure your donor didn't think when he donated, I'm going to have all these you know, offspring. Yes. And your siblings probably didn't think, oh, there's going to be many of us when it first happened. Right. So no one's prepared. No. Yeah. So what do people write to you about mostly on Instagram? I have a lot of survivors contacting me, letting me know that they, they too have experienced abuse, that they too also connect. I have donor-conceived individuals connecting with me about their stories as well. And a lot of us are ashamed and guilted into being silent and accepting that that was the past. And everyone, our society wants us to pretend that the past is the past, that it doesn't affect us now. And it does. It really does affect me now. As -hmm. you can see, my parents' past decisions to keep my donor conception story a secret is affecting me now. This is important now. Mm -hmm. This needs to be addressed now. It's time we start speaking up and voicing our opinions and our concerns so that future generations don't have to encounter the same injustices that we are suffering from right now. Yeah. 
And it's such an irony because the parents want to try to make everything easy and quiet and make the family happy. And yet the more they cover it up, the harder, the worse they make it for themselves. Yes. Well, I really appreciate all of these things that you're sharing with us and this amazing insight, Steph, and all that you're sharing out there in the world. It's so important to be able to hear voices like yours so that everybody can see the different experiences donor-conceived people have and what's important to know, what lessons can we take away from these experiences. You know, unfortunately, even though adoption started in the shadows and I kind of came out over many years and we find out that years later that it's important to share this information when the children are young, we're reliving this whole situation with donor conception where all over again, we have to learn the same lessons. And hopefully with people like you, we won't have to continue to do that because you've been so brave in sharing your story and telling people what's important and what's not important in these relationships. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Is there anything else you think we should understand that we haven't talked about yet? I think the truth will set you free. If you have a donor-conceived adult who doesn't know that they're donor-conceived, it's never too late to tell them the truth. It's better you tell them yourself versus them finding out through a 23andMe test mm -hmm. because it, maybe it won't be them who figures it out. It might be one of their children that figure it out. And that's traumatic for your grandchild. You wouldn't want that. Tell your adult child sooner versus later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Obviously, the longer people wait, the harder it gets to tell. But to yes. your point, even if it's hard, the sooner you do it, the better. It's never too late. You should always try. Even if you feel like, I should have done it years ago, there's no better time than now. Right. And I would suggest talking to Lisa if you <laughs> need you. help in opening up with your child about their donor conception story. Well, thank you. And I hope everyone reaches out to you as well because you have so much information and so much support and so much love in your heart to share. And I really appreciate it, Steph. Where can people reach you? Is it better on email or social media? You can reach me at the Donor Conceived Queen on YouTube, but also you can message me and watch my videos on Donor Conceived Queen on Instagram as well. Terrific. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And certainly, you know, we'd love to have you back at some point to talk some more, but good luck in all your wonderful endeavors to help people. I really appreciate your help. And for all of you out there who joined us today, I know this was not the most peachy story to tell, but it's an important story to tell. And I think we need to see all the sides of donor conception and all the ways that people are impacted by different experiences in life. And, you know, hopefully we can all learn these lessons without learning them the hard way. So thank you so much, Steph, for sharing with us. And thank you for listening. And please subscribe because that's how we keep going. And please also take a look at your Amazon or wherever you like to get your books for this book. This is a new book that's coming out on donor conception, all about donor conception. And I will be talking in this book about all the things you need to know about disclosure, but also about how to choose a donor, how to understand the medical information, all sorts of things. So check out your local retailer or Amazon, and please write a review because we always love to get the reviews too. So until next time, thanks again for joining us, and I'll see you soon.